I'd like to read with you tonight, first of all, in the Old Testament in the book of the Proverbs. Now that's the writings of Solomon in chapter 27. Psalms is usually in the middle of your Bible in Proverbs in chapter 27. And verse 1, Proverbs 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let me read that to you or with you again. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. How true that is. Now over to the New Testament to Mark's Gospel in chapter 7. Mark's Gospel in chapter 7. Matthew, Mark, chapter 7. And verse 35, Mark 7, verse 35. This is a man that has come in contact with the Lord Jesus, and it says this in verse 35, And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. Now, Luke chapter 16. This next gospel, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, son Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember, thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And for a final reading of Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, after Luke, John Acts, and Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and and just verse number 9 really verse 8 would be better would give us the connection really verse number 8 but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or one rendering has it, if thou shalt confess with thy tongue the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. <clears throat> 
I would like to speak tonight, some, I've often thought of it because there's different parts of the uh, body that you can speak on. The Lord Jesus spoke about them. And uh, last night we were considering the soul, the whole of the person. Now that's something apart from the body. But tonight I want to speak on the tongue. The tongue. The Bible calls it a very little member. A little member, but that little member can get us into a lot of trouble. And uh, there's not a lot of good things that are said about the tongue. Some good things, but not a lot. James is likely the writer of the New Testament that tells us most of what we know about the tongue. And he, he speaks like this. He says, uh, even so the tongue is a little member, yet it boasts itself of great things. And he goes on in the same chapter and says, even so the tongue, he says, it's a fire. He says, it's a, it's a world of iniquity, the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body, he says, and is set on fire, the course of nature, and it is set on, on the fire of hell. The tongue. I want to read about, we've read about four things about the tongue tonight. I want to leave, with, leave in your thinking. First of all, we read about a boasting tongue. A boasting tongue. That's Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 1. Boast out thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Boasting tongue. We'll come back to that. Read of another case, a very sad case here, Mark chapter 7. Has a very happy ending, but it's a bound tongue. Here's a man that couldn't speak. Couldn't hear and he could not speak. And his tongue was bound until he had met the Savior who loosed his tongue so he could speak plain. We read very sadly Luke chapter 16 of another tongue. This is a burning tongue. Notice in today there's only two parts of the body that he mentions. His eyes and his tongue. He says you opened up his eyes in hell. That must be a dreadful thing. I've thought about sometimes when miners have uh, been in a mine where there's an explosion and they open up their eyes to realize in the dim of darkness that they're literally entombed in this mine and there may or may not be any hope of rescue. When that first thing dawns on them. But here's a man, and I want you to think of a burning tongue. It's what he was concerned about. Someone would take his finger, dip it in water, put just a drop of water on his tongue, for he says, I am tormented in this flame. Hope I'm not speaking to anyone tonight that will ever experience a burning tongue. But then we read in Romans chapter 10 about the blessed tongue. The blessed tongue. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The best confession, the best words that ever came from my tongue or anybody else's tongue was a confession of Christ as Savior. Now that does not mean you going in the front of any building, this building or any other building, and you make your confession with your hand up in the air or hands up in the air of Christ. The first confession of Christ is to God. That a person has come to be absolutely satisfied with the Word of God, the truth of it, satisfied that when Christ died, He died for me. That's a wonderful truth, wonderful thing to be saved tonight. So let's consider some things about the tongue. I'm reminded of a uh, news clip one time I read. I followed her very much because I didn't, or the man either. But it was when your CNN's talk show host, Mr. Larry King, was doing his work. And uh, he interviewed Elizabeth Taylor. In that particular interview, he leaned across his table as he used to, began to pull on his red suspenders, and he says, And what do I say? What do I say or what do I ask a woman that has everything in life? And she's worth millions. You know what she said? Whatever you want to think of her, that's fine. But you know what she said? 
Likely the wisest words she ever, she ever uttered. She said, Larry, I don't even have tomorrow. He drew back. Do you know something? Mr. King, with his often quick retort and reply, had nothing to say because his tongue was stopped as well. Do you know why? Because he had no guarantee of tomorrow. Nor do you. You know, you don't have to uh, really, by and large, you do not have to coax men to boast. It's their nature. Women not so bad until they become grandmothers. Then that's out the window because they start to boast. Okay? There's nobody like their grandchildren. Okay, whatever their kids were, they might have been brats. But the grandchildren come along, they start to boast it. But by and large, it's the men that are guilty. You don't have to coax a man. I mean, I'm in... Uh, I remember when we used to farm and you'd go to grain elevators and uh, they'd talk about yields and tractors and different types of equipment. Not one of those men that you have to prod them to boast. It just came natural. You know, you go to a marina and, and they're, they're about their boats and on and on, just about this boat and other boat. And, uh, you know, you can go anywhere. It doesn't matter. I said a motorcycle shop. I, yeah, I have my license. I read it. Maybe you should tell you this. I've ridden motorcycles too. My boy has one. And uh, I went to one one day and they're boasting at it. This kind and that kind and uh, going on talking like this. It's just the nature of man to boast. Now, could you imagine any given scene like this? Whether it's the farming scene, whether it's a scene about livestock, property, gold, its value. And here are some men doing their normal, some boasting. And then watch Solomon. Oh. Oh. Nobody had more gold. Nobody had more horses. Nobody had better livestock. Nobody owned more land. Nobody was wiser. Could I suggest to you that every other mouth is stopped? Now we listen to this man. He's the king. Had a lot of experience. God had literally given this man wisdom to give to nobody else. And so suddenly their, their mouths, their tongue is stopped. What's this king going to say? Well, here's what he says. We read it. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And were they waiting for some uh, big, uh, long lingo about how to be successful in your farm or your business? I mean, he could teach them much. But he taught them everything in that one statement. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The boasting tongue. So tomorrow isn't yours. And it isn't mine. And I mean, we've got friends that have taken sick even in the last few days. And if I said to them uh, a week ago, that at this time, on Wednesday night, you'll be laying in a hospital. They say, are you sure? That's where they are. There's others, my friend, that have gone into eternity. And if someone had said to them, you won't be here next week. And that could be me too. We say, well, wait a minute. i got to reply to being here next week. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Now maybe you're sitting there saying, oh yeah, I know that. I wouldn't. Wait a minute. You tell me you haven't made plans for tomorrow, for next week, for the week after, next year? I'm not condemning those plans. But you know what's in this man's mind? It's God in those plans. It's God in those future plans. That's all that matters. The man that has the burning tongue was a man content to live his life without God, just like you are. The boasting tongue. We read of a man who had a bound tongue. 
Mark's Gospel chapter 7. That must have been a very, very sad scene to see a, a man like that and uh, couldn't hear and he couldn't speak, couldn't relay, couldn't communicate, couldn't tell his parents he loved them, couldn't really speak at all until he met the Savior. And when he came in contact with the Savior, what's it say? The string of his tongue was loose, unloosed, and he began to speak plain. Now we talk a lot of nonsense in the course of a day. A lot of nonsense. The plainest language we ever talk is when we talk about the Scriptures. The plainest language that we ever communicate is when we're talking about the Savior that saved us. Talking about Him. Did you talk about Him today? Did you? We said, well, I'm not a preacher. That's not what I asked you. Did you, when last did you talk about Him? Has the string of your tongue been unloosed? I'm reminded of a number of years ago in what would have been then West Germany. There was a boy that came from a very influential family and um, unfortunately developed cancer of the tongue. The family met with the doctors and uh, met with a couple of head surgeon, chief surgeons from that particular facility, that hospital. And the worst of what they expected was likely going to be a reality that the boy was going to lose his tongue. And they sat down with the family and they said, listen, we will do the best we can to preserve anything we can so this boy can still speak. But we must tell you that he may emerge from that OR never to speak again. Well, they understood that. They signed, they signed the consent forms for the surgery. That young man was wheeled into that operating room. And there were a number of... Um, Resident doctors there, and the surgeons there, and the nurses, the anesthetologists there to give them the uh, put them to sleep. And um, the chief surgeon came around at the foot of that operating table, and he looked into this young boy's face, and he said, "This is my young friend." He said, "Is there anything you'd like to say before they give you the anesthetic?" He nodded. There was. He says. You just take your time. Take your time. Go ahead and say what you'd like to say. Whether that boy knew it or not, the doctor did. This could be his last words. What would be your last words? Do what he said? With labored breath, as he heaved on that marble slab almost, from which the surgery would be performed, he said this, Thank God for Jesus Christ. That's the last words he ever spoke. Wonder what your last ones will be. Better words could never be spoken. That boy would never speak again. Thank God for Jesus Christ. What a confession. I'm sure those doctors and those that witnessed that they never ever forgot it. The moment that the string of his tongue was loose so he could speak plain. You see, before a person is saved, they're so uncomfortable saying or speaking about the Bible or about the Word of God or about the Lord Jesus Christ because it's like kind of a foreign language. Mr. Tolman, who used to be, in fact, I visited him just a, 94 years of age. He's in a home there in St. Thomas. When I was at St. Thomas Conference, I visited him. He came down to visit me in the East where I live in the Maritimes of Atlantic Canada, and he was bringing his sister, and he called up ahead of time, and he said, he knows me quite well, he said, Murray, if you don't mind, we're coming to your house. This is one time, he said, you just can't speak to my sister, okay? He said, 
not about the Bible. Or she'll, he said, she'll just get up and walk out. I said, it's a deal. No problem. I won't speak to her. I said, we'll, we'll try to make conversation best we can, and I'll try and remember not to mention God or Jesus or anything like that. So pretty soon the car drove in their yard and uh, they came in and it was very cordial, you know, the inviting and normal welcome. They came in our li- living room and they sat down. Of course, there's a few gospel texts on the wall. That would be all. And so we sat down and uh, we, we had a conversation. We were actually talking about when I used to live back in Ontario. And she is sitting there and then she get a little quieter, a little quieter. Finally, she says, Lloyd, I can't take this. I, I, don't, I don't like this language. Are you pretty sharp? You know, he said, he said, we're speaking in English. What language did you want? No, she says, I, I'm just not comfortable here. We hadn't said nothing yet. You know what was wrong? There was a language that was foreign to that woman and she wanted no part of a language that she could have spoke if she trusted Christ like her brother. Now, do you know anything about that? Do you want to know anything about it? Am I speaking to someone tonight that you'd love that the string of your tongue was loose? Not just so you could say you're saved to get that pesty preacher off your back. Not just so you could say you're saved and mum wouldn't bother you about going to meetings anymore. But so that you knew you wouldn't be in hell. That's what we're talking about, friend. We're not talking about something you pass coin with with the Christians. Something that, well, I'd be a lot more comfortable. i got to go to the Gospel Hall. Then I can say I'm saved. Nobody's going to bother me. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about a genuine salvation that will keep you out of hell. Are you interested or not? Your call, friend. Your call. The Lord Jesus came to this man, and this man must have thought, ah, nobody. I'm sure there were people that tried, and they tried this, and they tried that, like the, the woman in Mark chapter 5. All to no avail. Finally, the Lord Jesus said, it just took the touch of Christ. That's what we're praying for, brethren, in these meetings. God will touch souls. They're going to be in hell. Wake up in that dreadful place. And then suddenly a tongue that never confesses Christ is a tongue that is begging for a drop of water. And then it says he touched the string of his tongue and it was unloosed and he began to speak plainly. Where we used to live in, just outside of Sussex, a place called Piccadilly, uh, right next to us was a golf course. So they had a big big banquet room upstairs and there used to be the Saturday night parties there. And I got to know the manager, so he, he was pretty good. But sometimes the music would just, just get obnoxious. It'd be so loud and you'd try to sleep. And I had to call up a couple times and say, could, could you just turn it down a little bit? We did not have AC in our house, our windows were open. And they were very, they were very helpful. They were, they were no problem at all. They did. And I'd never really been there until we had a wedding there. And uh, this couple had gotten married. A young couple from our assembly, uh, really, uh, uh, Michael and Sharka. It was Michael Rogers. That's uh, Mr. David Rogers from Chile. Suddenly got married. And uh, one particular, all the circular tables. This one table over from me. I, I happened to notice two young men there at that table. One of them, his father's an overseer in our assembly. And this man's wife is saved, and his daughter's saved. And they sit just down the road from where we sit on Sunday morning when I'm home. And her husband was there. And it was just chatting, was just going along swimmingly, as they say. Finally, the uh, master sorrow said, Now, he said, if you'll just simply lift up that little glass of vase, he said, that's there in the um, uh, center of the table, he said, there's a couple of hymns that we're going to sing. And he says, and I think we can sing better for standing up, which usually is true. So everybody reached there, of course, we got them out, and we stood up, and we began to sing. You know, I looked over, <laughs> I looked over at these two men that I know, and 
They were motionless. That's not that they can't sing. But that was a song that they had not learned. That was a song they find so uncomfortable to sing. There were some truths in those words, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, or why I'm worthy of such love. He made his son to me, but no one so on that hymn began to sing that. Payne Stewart's hymn. See, Payne Stewart's hymn, yes, that's the popular golfer from the U.S. He used to wear the kilt that was in that Lear jet that malfunctioned with his pressurization and started out of Florida and crashed into North Dakota when it finally ran out of fuel. And that was his favorite song. Mr. Payne was a, was a Christian. That morning in his Bible he had read John's Gospel chapter 3. He actually, his wife said this, he actually had marked it down. But he had read John chapter 3 verse 1 to the end of verse 18. Payne Stewart. And at his funeral, that's what they sang, the same thing as we sang at that wedding. That large crowd that gathered for that with all those golfers there, the rose that began to sing Mr. Stewart's favorite song. That's what they sung. What about yours tonight? Do you have a favorite song? I'm not talking about what the world says. Those aren't songs. Do you, do you, is there anything that you, in the hymn book that you, you like? We just weren't we just talking about that tonight or somebody's home here just the other day? Favorites. Your favorite verse. Your favorite song. Do you have one? Do you know anything about what the psalmist said when he said, uh, This poor man cried and the Lord heard my cry and brought me up out of a pit of noise. That's this world we're in, a pit of noise. Put my feet upon a rock, establish my going, and put new song under my mouth, even praise unto thee. Wonderful to have a song. And I am no great singer, even though I've done it a few times, and so maybe some very, well, I guess some people have thought it was embarrassing. I thought it was a wonderful opportunity. I was at a restaurant one time, and there were three girls coming to those meetings, and they weren't saved. There was a girl by the name of Christy Thomas who got saved the year before, and uh, they uh, come over to me and said, we're going to bring a birthday cake in now, and uh, we're, we're going to sing for this girl. You, you'll help. I said, well, I'll help. And the place was packed, big restaurant. So we uh, had the birthday cake in, they give me the nod, so we started singing, happy birthday to you, and so on. Everything's going good. Then I, verse 2. Happy birthday, yes, too. Only one will not do. Born again means salvation. How many of you? And we were done that verse, that's, that restaurant just went dead silent. And the uh, only one to move, I think, was the head waitress. And she walked over to my table and she said, quite a singer. I went home and told my children, they've been holding that from me all these years. They didn't tell me. Here, I, you know, they, they make all kinds of laugh about dad singing, but they didn't tell me. She, we could use you around here. I want to say, when can I start? Now listen, you don't have to go to a crowded re- restaurant and sing your song, okay? You don't have to do that. I'm not talking about somebody that can lead or start hymns in a gospel hall. I am talking about something even though you couldn't carry a tune in a bucket that comes up from this heart as even praises of the God. You can sing because the string of your tongue is unloosed. I'm looking at the faces of those in this meeting tonight and words that they sing, words that they would express in prayer was totally foreign, foreign to them. And when I'm home, I break bread with men that have confessed they had the foulest mouth. A man that's just gotten saved in Sussex. Another man that he worked for didn't even profess to be a Christian. He came to me and says, Dieter, could you just tone down the swearing a bit? 
he met it and now he, to just look across he says to the corner when I'm home to hear him stand on his feet and praise God for his son that's something isn't it the string of his tongue has been unloosed those that have been saved people that have been saved know that uh, there's a time when you didn't talk to your house like you did now the only time you talked about Jesus is when you took his name in vain do you know why? you had a bound tongue just like this man a bound tongue but there is one tonight that can loose the string of your tongue even praises unto God the bound tongue Luke's gospel chapter 16 is a burning tongue if you're going to take the time to read all of these verses there's things that stand out you will notice first of all what this man wanted he knew what he wanted more than that he knew where he wanted it and he knew why he wanted it all he requested it, it was just a simple meager request just a drop of water just a drop of water I mean, the man had to know it would never happen. But at least, what did he have to lose by asking? Now, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that what is tormented in hell, brethren, is the very thing he needed in life. It was his tongue. That tongue had never confessed Christ. And while we sit here in the comfort of this hall tonight, having likely drunk cold water before the meeting and likely after there's a man in hell been there for years begging a drop of water he has never had it he'll never receive it and he'll never get it his tongue burns because there's never a time when he would confess Christ well he could confess to a lot of other things but never confess Christ so as a result of that it's a burning tongue I hate to think tonight that as I stand here in the Midland Park Gospel Hall platform and I'm speaking to people that would just one soul would actually experience that that would be your terrible lot forever to join with that man I think I heard about him preached in gospel meetings not just here tonight but I heard him preach more than once in gospel meetings and now his circumstances are my circumstances his place is my place the string of his tongue was never unloosed because he didn't want it unloosed he didn't want salvation he didn't want to be able to sing and enjoy these things how about you tonight why not speaking to someone and you'd love to be saved? I mean, you may have put up some kind of front or put up some kind of an argument or whatever it might be, but deep down there's a longing. There has to be. If there isn't, friend, then you have no concept. Unfortunately, I don't either. Of what it will mean for a soul to spend forever in hell and eventually the lake of fire. But I want to tell you something. That bound tongue if you die with it, will become a burning tongue. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. I want to think of the blessed tongue. The blessed tongue. I was just reading yesterday in one of your newscasts, Gabby Giffords, that senator that unfortunately was in April of 12th this year in Tucson, Arizona, while she was speaking at a mall, took a bullet to the brain and is but hardly able to speak without help, much help since she's down I think in one of the Carolinas now going through very very advanced physiotherapy hoping to get things back so she can speak again, she was a very capable speaker I never heard her speak, I've heard news clips of it but just the value, just wanting to have that back so she could talk likely about politics oh that a person would want their tongue so they could talk about the Lord Jesus because I want to tell you friend you don't talk about him down here you won't be up there to talk about him either Remember the old story the preachers used to tell? It was written in a track. How about the uh, girls riding on a train? 
And uh, up ahead were a couple of guys, and uh, they pulled out the guitar and they uh, started their songs. And so the first, anybody's written on trains, I did unfortunately one time. It's an all-night ride or somewhere. There's a lot of guitar playing, there's singing, there's drinking, there's usually everything. Hey, how they were chiming right in with the songs these guys were singing on the guitars and having a good time. Finally, they kind of got tired, the guitar got put down, and they stopped. The one preacher looked at the other and gave a nod, and they started to sing. And they started to sing a few gospel songs. The same girls that were singing with the guitar looked over as if, Oh, no. Not here. We don't need this. One of the preachers, a real gentleman, got off his charity, walked over, he said, Hi, girls, how you doing? Oh, good. We're doing fine. Where are you going? And so on. He said, uh, Let me ask you a question. He said, um, You don't look to be enjoying what my friend and I are singing. <laughs> One girl says, No, not that much. He said, Where, would you go? Where are you going when you die? Well, he said, oh, Heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. No, he said, not everybody's going to heaven. Well, he said, if you're going to heaven, do you have any idea what they might do up there? He says, there's a lot of things we're not told that people will do up there. Do you know anything we might do? The one girl says, yeah. I think we'll sing. He said, I'm going to tell you something. If you're singing about the Lord Jesus, it doesn't begin down here. It'll never begin up there. You'll be in a place where there'll be no song. You'll be in the place where the string of the tongue of people has never been unloosed because they didn't want it. Sure, they sang their songs on earth. Sure, they sang in mockery. All the songs of the world, the world sings. Most of them are sick, friend. But over to be able to sing and to be able to praise the Lamb that for sinners was slain. I love it. Our, sorry for a personal reference, but back home at our Sussex Conference, our high school does a lot of plays and, and does a lot of different things. They have drama festivals and everything in Sussex. High schools are well used high school for sort sort of thing seats five hundred people. I sat there at the conference this year four hundred and eighty five people, and um, listened to them sing on Sunday morning some of those hymns that we sing. I'll tell you it was hard to hold back the tears. I thought of all that gets sung in this place, of all the drama, of all the world's events. And think here's something that God's getting from this little gathered company right here in this high school auditorium this morning. Praise that's going unto Him. My Redeemer, oh what beauties in that lovely name appear. None but Jesus in His glory shall the honored title wear. Singing hymns like that. Man of sorrows, what a name is so on. I thought, bless God. If this building could talk. If the beams of the place could speak. They would say, Hallelujah. Wonderful thing to be able to sing. How about you tonight? You speak about Christ? Do you want to be able to speak about Him? Then the string of your tongue will have to be unloosed. How does that happen? Romans chapter 10. What's it say in Romans chapter 10? Well, it says, What saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, okay? That's the only way that you can ever be saved is accepting Him as Lord. Yes, yes, He will control your life. You'll be glad to let Him control your life. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in thy heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That is the soul simply taking God's word for it, accepting it as true, that Christ, when He died, when He suffered on that cross, Jesus died for me and confessing it to God. 
Like one person told me one time as they sat on the side of their bed and they said they were drilling their finger into Romans 5 and verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It was like they want to say, God, there's what you said. That's what I believe. That's what you were saying in your word. And they were just holding God to his word. He loves it. Think you'll ever do that? Think you'll ever confess him? Don't do it when it's too late. Don't try to do it. Don't do it like this man did in Luke chapter 16. Listen, listen to his talk. Talks about Father Abraham. Father Abraham was the father of the faithful. Galatians chapter 4. Those that place faith in Christ. Father Abraham. He's trying to take the place of Isaac without Isaac's experience. Abraham wasn't his father. He was never numbered amongst those that were of faith. He was a rank unbeliever. Never believed God. Never took God for his word. And was never saved. Would never confess Christ. The blessed tongue. You know, if you go down further than that chapter, verse 17 says this. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fortunately, he didn't live too long this country. He's raised a number of very talented singers. It's Hank Williams Sr. Hank Williams Sr. wrote the words of a song that a lot of Christians sing. And I'm not sure that Mr. Williams could ever sing it truthfully, although I'm not here to judge him. He penned those words, I wandered so aimlessly, life full of sin, I would not let my dear Savior in. Then came Jesus like a stranger in the night, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I saw the light. He went on to sing, I was a fool to wander and stray, straight as the gate, narrow the way, now I have traded the wrong for the right, praise the Lord, I saw the light. And he used to perform one time in California. Minnie Pearl, who was a contemporary of his, was basically asked to babysit him for the day. Keep him away from the bottle, because he got drinking, he couldn't perform, couldn't sing. So she took up the challenge, she said, I'll do it again. So they were driving around L.A. on this particular day, and uh, you know, he, he said, you know, he said, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. You're just trying to keep me away from drinking, aren't you? She says, you know, Hank, she says, you do have to sing tonight. Why don't we sing your favorite? Sure, he says, we'll sing my favorite. That's what they sang in the car. Just the two of them. Do you know when he was done the second verse, Hank Williams leaned ahead and began to cry on the dashboard of the car. He said, do you know something? I have saw no light. He said, Minnie, all that is ahead for me as far as I know is darkness. Darkness. Let me ask what's ahead for you tonight. If Christ has never confessed, my dear young man, it will be the blackness of darkness forever. Because you didn't want to come into the light now. Do you know what eternal punishment really is? Let me just say, explain it maybe so you can understand it. What hell and the lake of fire are, they are actually an extension. They are an extension of a choice you're making already. Because there's one that will give you sight. There's one that John chapter 3 says will bring you out of darkness into marvelous light. But you want to stay in the darkness. So the Bible says if you want to stay in the darkness, then we'll just project that darkness. Then it will be the blackness of darkness forever. That's not what you want. That's what nobody here wants for you. That's why those men got down, worked hard all day and raced to this building. Got down there in, in the basement and prayed for you by name. Oh, God, save them. Don't let them go to hell. After the meeting's over, they gather in this room before I get there. 
And they're praying for the same people. They're praying for you. They're saying, God, remember that girl. Don't let that girl die in her sins. Save that boy. So come right back to you tonight. Is this what you want? Do you want to spin your tongue loose? Do you want to be able to speak plainly? That whatever you do in life, don't you miss this. May there be someone here tonight that from the heart of their hearts will cry out, Lord, save me. That was a clear confession. Peter made more than one confession of Christ. That was a great confession that day when he made Matthew chapter 14. Lord, save me. You say, how do you know that's what Romans chapter 10 say? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, Lord, he takes control. Sin has to go. And sinful situations have to go. Things that you know right well are not right in your life. Things that you're doing, they have to go if he's Lord. You don't receive him as Jesus, you receive him as Lord. Let it be your experience tonight. Shall we pray?